Welcome to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with host Lane Nordland. Hello everyone and welcome back for this special edition of the Cattleman's Call podcast. I'm Lane Nordland. This week we will be celebrating Veterans Day 2021 with two separate podcast episodes with veterans who are involved in livestock production. There are so many cattlemen and women who have served in the armed forces, ensuring our freedoms and liberties here in the United States, and also helping feed our nation and the world. Before I introduce our first guest, I would just like to thank all of our veterans on behalf of the Cattlemen's Call podcast crew, thanking them for their service and serving our nation. And I am thrilled today to introduce our guest, Calling in, joining us over the phone lines from the great state of North Carolina and a United States Army veteran, our friend Marvin Frank. Marvin, how are things going in North Carolina today? Thank you, brothers. Doing pretty good. I can't complain. I cannot complain. Thank you so much. Well, I'm happy to have you uh, join us here today. It's going to be a great conversation that I am so looking forward to, and I know our audience is looking forward to. And obviously, you have had a career in the armed forces and also in agriculture, and having that opportunity to serve your country and also feed your country and your world, there's no better career. And Marvin, for our listeners out there, Let's just share a a brief background about how you got involved in agriculture. But first, maybe growing up there in the state of Florida, uh, your background and what led you into the military, sir? Absolutely. Thank you for the question. Um, So uh, growing up, I grew up in a small town called Melbourne, Florida, um, uh, right right below central Florida area, um, right on the ocean side. I grew up there and, of course, if you're familiar with Florida, you come down 95, you're going to see nothing but beef cattle left and right um, of the of the highway off of 95. So growing up there, that's all that I saw raised up. You know, you have your orange groves, your peanut farms there, uh, different things, et cetera. But cattle were always there for us. Um, I can remember going back into uh, uh, some of our field trips as a elementary kid. Um, one of our famous farms that we all know was the Kenfer family. Um, today, uh, two of my classmates, George and Henry Kenfer, now run the Kenfer cattle farm there. And um, so that's where I basically grew up um, on a nice farm, you know, seeing their, their, their livestock grow up there. And it just stuck with me the whole time. Uh, a lot of times me and my dad would go to different rodeos or just to see different farms, you know, just to get away to break the monotony. Now, uh, speaking of your father, Marvin, uh, he he served in the clergy. Is that right? He did. Uh, yes, my father was a minister, and um, my my dad was uh, the type of person that he used your foundation uh, to communicate with you. Um, Sometimes we use different things. Uh, we would lose ourselves being so involved with it. But he was the kind of person. He was a, a person that always brought us back to our roots. Uh, to let us know where our foundation at, you know, to stay strong in that area. Absolutely. And um, and for us, as my family, and that's serving the Lord, brother. Well, that is so true. And, and uh, serving the Lord and also serving your country. Uh, what, what led you into the armed forces? Uh, what branch uh, were you a part of? And uh, obviously it took you to different parts of the world, but uh, it, it shaped you as an individual as well. 
Absolutely. Um, so um, I actually graduated high school a year early um, from school, and my dad did not want us to get into trouble. Um, so he, he turned around to just said, hey, son, um, uh, how about just joining the military? And I did. Um, so I joined the military early. Um, that moved real fast for me. My basic AIT got cut short. Um, the next thing you know, I was sitting in Desert Storm. <laughs> I was sitting in Desert Storm. <laughs> oh, boy, that affects your morals, values, and your beliefs. You know, you're just coming from, you know, coming from Florida to a desert area, you know, and seeing things you just weren't prepared for. Um, um, and then from there, brother, just moving forward to make a career out of it, you know, very thankful for the military. Um, I wish a lot more of our kids today would look forward to going into the military. It definitely make a man out of you. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned that encouraging young people to look at it. Um, what, what, what are some of the most positive aspects of your service? Uh, what would you share with a young person that is on the ropes about what they want to maybe major in, or maybe they're not ready to go to school and they, or they do want to serve their country. What are some of the best memories and life experiences you received uh, from your service? Um, you know, at the camaraderie, you know, of uh, being together with people, a variety of people um, around the world that come together for one common cause um, and that's serving our country. You know, um, we're big fans of the American flag and we're just someone, man, that love our country. But to be around people, to eat together with different people and especially being in foreign countries and so forth, uh, you, you just can't beat it. Traveling around the world, you get a chance to see past your mailbox of how good you really have it from wherever you're from. You know, so um, I'm so thankful to be uh, to have served our country and to be someone who actually went out past the mailbox to see that there's other things that, you know, that are way uh, worse than what we have here. And I'm so thankful to be an American. Well, again, I want to thank you for your service. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but an injury uh, ended up ending your military career. Uh, how did that have an impact on your life, and uh, how have you worked through that? Um, so let's be honest with you, uh, a complete struggle, which is a still struggle today. Um, so um, I injured uh, right knee, uh, lower back, and, you know, got some head trauma out of certain things. Um, it affects you every day. It, it affects nightmares. It affects uh, pain, chronic pain that you have to deal with every day. And, and believe it or not, that is something that um, as men, we kind of feel like those the lion with the thorn in his paw. You know, um, you create an image man, for yourself, man, that you don't want anyone to see you hurt. Um, but getting to beef cattle, that allowed me to, to just say, hey, you know what? If I'm hurting today, I have to say that I'm hurting today. Um, and those are kind of things that I'm learning to do now is just to be upfront and to say if I can or I can't, brother. And, and that is something that's major, that pride is something that would break someone down, just try to uphold an image. But it's so hard to do with chronic pain. And Marvin, where, where I come from in Montana, we have the highest rural suicide rate in the nation. And mm -hmm. I, I'm not trying to compare the experiences that our men and women in armed forces have gone through and the struggles they have with mental health, but the 
struggle that farmers and ranchers have with mental health is a discussion that is starting uh, that folks are starting to have more in the open. We're seeing Mm -hmm. groups like NCBA and state cattle groups uh, having speakers come in and talk about uh, mental health and helping equip people to have these conversations. What what is your uh, uh, what is your idea of how we are having these mental health conversations in the countryside? What where are areas that we could do better? Where are what what is a uh, words of encouragement to maybe our listeners that are going through this or have gone through this? Uh, just based on you being able to to identify the struggles that you have to go through and you will live with your whole life, but are able to to pick up and continue on because there's people you've surrounded yourself with to help you get through this. What what is can, could you just share? Your, your thoughts on mental health and agriculture as well? Absolutely, Lane. Um, great topic here. And um, I'll actually like to get naked in this conversation. And what I mean by that is to let's open up that door. Um, Lane, that is one reason why I'm into agriculture. Um, I was also one that almost committed suicide myself. Um, you know, by coming back from war, it truly affected my morals, values, and beliefs. Um, and I was so lost, I didn't know who I was anymore, Lane. Um, and that bothered me so bad that I almost wanted to, you know, take my own life. Um, so that's where my father came into place. Um, and right around 2011, um, that's when my dad said, son, I need for you to come home. Um, that's when I came home and um, I was talking with my dad. Um, he sent me over to a friend's house that had beef cattle. Um, Lane, and from there, um, that's when I learned basic, and this just is in one day, uh, you know, the basics of cattle. But what I did not know is that they were teaching me how to be um, more relaxing and using beef cattle and being outside, using it as therapy. Um, so coming from a state of wanting to commit suicide, there's multiple things that need to be addressed. Um, and that's knowing where the person is at, what they're saying and what their fear is, uh, what they're scared of to make them want to go on to a dark side or fall so deep into whatever it is. Um, to be more open with it, I think the approach of reprisal needs to be um, something that needs to be talked about first. Most people will tell you they're quick to want to help you uh, to deal with mental health. But at the same time, you know, i.e. on a job or um, just in family conversation, people put themselves in a box as if something is wrong with you. And they're above that. And, you know, then they want to pick on that situation. Um, Furthermore, I think we need to be more honest about ourselves um, first before we can have that conversation and clearly understanding because reprisal is a very big deal inside of people who want to be open or talk about their injuries or talk about suicide, there's always the person that's going to say, you know, and look at them as if they're weak or they're lame or something to that effect, you know, so it's, it's very hard, you know, um, a, a topic of the day that I would like to ask um, inside of that, farmers, um, uh, farmers have a big role in that as well, because if you really look at the stats, Lane, um, farmers were veterans and, and veterans of farmers. 
and to add one more in that category is ministers. Um, most ministers are veterans at the same time, but if you look at those three, the suicide rate of someone that's serving of that status is very high. It's because most of the time we don't have anybody um, that we could talk to about our issues without being judged. Um, I use beef cattle, so I get out there and talk to my cattle. I really do, Lane. I get out there, I talk to them. I'm more involved with them because they don't pass judgment on me. Um, and then it helps me to come back into the house and where I can explain things to my wife and that gives me an open door conversation. You know, so that's why people, you know, agriculture is a great topic for healing inside of uh, dealing with suicide. I think it's one of the best methods that are out there is traditional. And I think there needs to be more agriculture connected to the suicide recovery route. And uh, just uh, programs I'm familiar with, uh, specifically in Montana, the Heroes and Horses program has been an outstanding uh, veteran resource uh, to, to help our men and women that, uh, that, that need that, that hands-on help. And it's amazing what a horseback ride will do for a person's soul and health. And, exactly right. And that's something I'm familiar with that I've covered in, in the news and donated to financially. But Marvin, there may be somebody listening here today that just can't wrap their mind around the struggles that someone has in dealing with uh, mental health. What, what is your something you would tell someone out there that has a, a family member, a husband, a wife, a friend that is dealing with this, and they can't wrap their mind around what they're going through? What, what, is, what, what is something that you would tell them to, to just do so they can support their friend, even though they don't understand what they're going through? Absolutely. Great question. Um, thank you for that. I think reaching back to a, a battle buddy, um, and I'm using the word battle buddy, um, it's an army friend or a military friend of someone who understands you, who under, understands the situation you're dealing with. Um, you know, Lane, if you look at it, um, we're the subject matter expert um, once we're in the military, but once you get out of the military, no one knows who you are once you're outside of that military installation gate. Um, and there's three words that uh, we don't like, and that's no denial and rejection. So if we can understand the word no denial or rejection, um, that's where the anxiety comes in at. And if we could start to address these words and see that they're not harmful, let's just try to refigure that with our battle buddy or our friend here of how do we get to the yes, you know, um, or how could we work our way through it to let people know that there is resources out there, there is a connection that we could do it. And listen to someone. The signs are there. We see the signs every day. The question of it is, is the responsibility of the person seeing them reacting to them without overreacting to create a bigger situation? Well, Marvin, I, I just want to thank you for quickly opening yourself up. And I like how you said that, having that naked conversation, really bearing uh, the, the true reality of it. And I know we just really touched the tip of this iceberg. And I encourage yep. everybody that is tuning in to, to really uh, educate themselves on mental health and how you can be a resource for your friends and family or 
search for those resources if you need them yourself because we all know how important that family and friends play in our rural communities and in agriculture and we can be there to support each other uh, through all of this even though it's an awkward conversation it, it is it is but it it's is. so important because we enjoy uh we enjoy our family and friends, and, and we want to make sure that they are healthy, just as we do as stewards of our land and our livestock. We take care of them, and we need to take care of ourselves and our souls and our and our mental health as well, along with that, Marvin. So th- thank you for mm-hmm. touching on that. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. And, and Marvin, I just, uh, uh, when, uh, when receiving that input from your dad and, and uh, understanding that, uh, livestock and living in the country uh, is a way to to bring yourself uh, closer to your family and to help deal mm-hmm. with uh, with with issues that uh, that we just discussed what was it like the day that you said you know what I'm gonna do this I want to be a cattleman my I, I want to mm-hmm. be a part of this what what was what was it like that uh, that uh, initial ad- adrenaline rush and then when did it hit you man this is a lot of work. Oh, definitely. It's definitely a lot of work. Lane, I used to walk around, um, you know, with the one-inch binder um, and with a copy of the Cattleman to Cattleman magazine in it all the time, um, reading the topics, seeing who the great guys out there and gals that are actually doing this in the livestock industry. But I had to learn to get out of that fear of just because it's something different than what other people are used to, um, I had to go ahead and step out there on my own. Um, I talked to my grandmother before she passed and she said, Marvin, um, I want you to understand something. She said, people are laughing at you because you're different. But she said, I want you to laugh at them because they're all the same. You know, so if if you're doing something totally different than what people are used to, of course, people want to find fault in it. But that was my strength to keep going. And um, and within that, finding that strength, brothers, um, that's when I met the uh, Farmers Veteran Coalition. Um, uh, Michael O'Gorman, great, great organization. Um, it's called FVC, FVC uh, Farmers Veteran Coalition. Um, and they, they're out there to help to build uh, the transition from uh, agriculture into um, actually doing your profession inside of agriculture. You know, So transition from the military into agriculture is what they do. And it helps you to find those resources because getting into agriculture is like getting into a fraternity, brother. I mean, <laughs> no one wants to talk to you or give you any of the yeah. of this of the of the secrets. But I found a way to do that is by learning the lingo, learning the language. And once I start learning the language, remember that part I was telling you about earlier about the VCR tape to the MP MP3 MP4 format. Um, I learned the language. Um, and maybe explain the language. Marvin, we, we weren't recording uh, when, when you explained that. I, I want you to share that with our listeners. I, I like that analogy. Absolutely. Um, so the, the transition between the older generation and the younger generation, um, I like to use the VCR tape versus the MP3 player. You know, uh, the VCR tape is what we would find in our extension agents, old newspapers, uh, the VCR, you know, tapes, old data that's put in there. Nothing is updated. But now you have a generation of 
uh, of soldiers or family members that want to come back to the land and get into agriculture, we're more of the MP3, MP4 format, smaller, faster, stronger. Um, and we are more receptive of information faster. So how do we translate from the VCR tape to the MP4 format? And the middle transition between the two is a mentor. We need to have a mentor of someone that can mentor us that was using the old farm tractor, using the old land already, and the younger person sit down and listen and spend time with uh, the older generation so that way they could teach us the tricks and the trades of agriculture, tricks and the trade of the cattle industry, uh, or whatever it is that they're getting into any of the cereals. Uh, they've already done it, but the problem of it is, brother, is that they feel as if they're not valued anymore. So now they become a stronghold and don't want to let anything go or share. But if we prove ourselves to our family members, our uncles, our grandpa, grandma, anybody, man, of the traditionalist era, then they're more relaxed to want to share things with us. Now the transition is coming over to the MP4 and now format, quote unquote, and now we can help each other out, brother, yep. by using the translation. And that's the way that I like to do it. And speaking of those mentors, uh, did you have mentors directly from the Farmer Veteran Coalition, someone within your local community? Uh, who were who some of those key uh, figures that stick out in your mind that, that really helped equip you and, and uh, provide you or point you in, towards resources to help educate yourself? Absolutely. Great question, brother. And I still use them today. Um, first, um, my mentor's name is Mr. Harrison Campbell. He's, uh, he's 86 years old. Um, still today, brother, he's out there with me, um, you know, pointing me in the right direction, you know, check your soil, do your soil testing. Uh, let's, let's make sure time for, we're doing our preg check here 90 days prior to immunization, make sure everything is up to par before we bring the bulls out. I mean, all the good things that's traditional, he's still part of it. You know, just to see your mentor walking with his hands behind his back and he's supervising you. That is a great feeling. Um, plus, it gets them out of the house. It gets them back into the soil. It keeps them accurated. So Mr. Harrison Campbell is still there for me now. The second person is Chef Matthew Rayford. Uh, he's a world-renowned chef now, um, right out of Brunswick, Georgia. Um, he's, he's the main guy that introduced me to the Farmers Veteran Coalition. Uh, we served together in the military, um, deployed together in the military. And he got out and became a world-renowned chef, and he's the guy that introduced me to Michael O'Gorman. And that's when the healing began for me right there between those three people. Mm -hmm. We, we got to have somebody. <laughs> yep. There's no age limit on anybody. We always need somebody to teach us, you know, the, the history, you know, to, to do better at whatever it is that we're doing. Yep. Oh, yeah. And, of course, uh, the name of your operation is the Briarwood Cattle Farm. And before I dive into too many details on that operation and uh, mm -hmm. the involvement you have in the local local food scene, I should have you talk about your family. Let's do it, brother. Let's do it. Let's do it. I would love that. Briarwood Cattle Farm, um, I want to start with the name of Briarwood Cattle Farm. Um, Briarwood Cattle Farm is a name that my father named the name the structure of us 
my neighborhood I came from is named Briarwood. Uh, Briarwood is a, uh, just like anywhere else, you know, uh, high crime, high drug traffic area. And my dad said, son, uh, never forget where you come from. Uh, and you, you turn this name into something positive. And that, and that keeps you rooted every single day. So Briarwood is where he put the name inside of uh, the brand for us, Briarwood Cattle Farm. Um, my, my family today, um, we, we all stick together. My sons, they run the operation. Um, a lot of it I cannot do. I'm the guy now that's walking with my hands behind my back now, mentoring, <laughs> mentoring my, my, mentoring my boys to, and my granddaughter to make sure that, you know, they're picking up the traits that I'm being taught. Um, so the family legacy is being passed down early. So that way we can keep that information flow together and, and good involvement with the community as well. Community meaning our neighbors, let our neighbors know what's going on because sometimes people get a misunderstanding in the rural world, you know, of, you know, uh, wondering why you're doing it, but, or what you're doing is your property, but sometimes you can understand that, you know, people just want to know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm really I, I enjoyed uh, hearing the the history behind uh, the name of your farm there. That uh, it, it truly helps you strive towards making sure that you have a great opportunity for your family, uh, for for your kids, and, and and again, as you mentioned, community plays such a big role in, in our rural upbringings. And let's now talk about uh, the operation itself, the cattle, the, the also I, I see oh, yeah. the processing facility, but let's talk about the, the actual livestock operation and then we'll talk about that exciting aspect of the processing facility as well. Oh, sounds good, brother. So we're uh, just like every, every farmer, we're a cow-calf operation running on Black Angus cattle. Um, chose, uh, well, my father chose Black Angus cattle for their ability of how strong they are and how they're more weather temperature um, here in North Carolina. Um, there's many breeds but uh, that could do just the same thing but for us Angus works out you know the best for us here um, and to improve that we're working on more with uh, North Carolina AAT and Tuskegee University to work on our AI program to increase our our uh, sire program as well to increase the marbleization to give us bigger calves, you know, and so forth. So running our herd, uh, we're 103 head now of mama cows. Um, and then we would bring in three bulls uh, to sire. And with that, uh, being able to make sure that uh, you are profitable in the business, what different ideas did, did you hear about and implement on your operations? So it's not just uh, breeding, calving, and, and selling calves at the end of the year. How did you look at a more holistic approach in making a, uh, all, all aspects of your operational profitable? Absolutely, brother. Great topic. Um, I studied, um, I have to learn things and study it. And I found um, in the middle of farming, there's everyone goes to the farmer's market or the CSA um, to grab your current beef or pork, whatever you're gonna grab. As I'm there, I'm constantly seeing the same thing. People are bringing their coolers there 
and inside of the coolers, the ice constantly melts inside of it. Waters get into the packaging and, you know, uh, that's just something once meat starts thawing out, it's not a good thing to re-freeze it again. So I learned that temperature is that important key. Um, being at farmer's markets and CSAs are so competitive with everyone that's selling beef and pork or chicken. Um, we turned around and did something different. Um, we turned around and bought, bought our own refrigerator uh, truck. Um, so now we could monitor our temperature and keep temperature uh, at the right temperature uh, for our product so we're not thawing out any product. We're keeping it always frozen between uh, the processing facility, recording the time, um, inside of our van before we pick up the product, recording that temperature as well, and then back to the uh, proper storage refrigerated area here, and that temperature is recorded. Um, so temperature is that key, brother. Um, and delivery, we ran into more business by delivering the product farm to fork versus personnel going out to the farmers markets and CSAs. Mm-hmm. And we totally cut out the competition, more or less, of uh, competing with someone just standing there. And uh, I'm, I'm very hard on, you know, people touching bags and different certain things. And um, we wanted to minimize that as well, uh, dealing with that food handling side. Yep. So yep. that's how we minimize that by getting our, our refrigerator van and delivering, brother. Um, and doing it that way. And now we have a personal uh, relationship with, with our customers um, to know exactly what they want, how they want it. And then we could deliver it to them at the same time. And just to seeing the customer smile by doing that um, makes a big difference and it makes it worth the while. So the key to it is temperature. Marvin, when did you start uh, selling to local consumers? Uh, was that really a, a part of the, the farm from the start, or was it uh, something that uh, you discovered a, a, along the path? Um, I discovered along the path, which is at the very beginning of us farming. Um, so we started the farm up was in 2011 timeframe. I lost my father in 2012, so right around a year later, 2013 is when we started picking that program up. And that's when we bought our van and took it from there, brother. You know, um, Thermo King is the system that we use on our refrigerator van. And uh, man, that baby keeps it frozen there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I think that is just so important, uh, the point that you made when just monitoring temperature, because that's quality control. That's the quality mm-hmm. of your product that a consumer will be eating. And if they have mm-hmm. one bad experience with any cut of beef, you don't want it being with yours. <laughs> That's and, exactly right, brother. But some people may just say, oh, mm, it's still it, it's still cold enough. It's, you know, health-wise, it's fine. But that takes a little, it just takes so much dedication and uh, observation that, you know, I think it's so great that a first generation producer like yourself is able to come there and say, you know what, this is a huge factor in me being able to market my product. 
Um, mm-hmm. And uh, again, it, I just think out here in the West and in Montana, the selling to local consumers is truly a pretty new concept. Some folks have been doing it for quite some time, but the pandemic really uh, brought a light on uh, folks wanting to consume locally raised uh, beef or pork or, or lamb, whatever that protein may be. So when you look at the processing aspect of this, when did you decide, hey, we should probably have some sort of facility as well so we can try to keep this in-house and and really cut out other aspects of the middleman? Great question, brother. So for us, we've been um, studying the processing side, um, the market as well, um, the stock market side of it, and we're seeing exactly that there's a big problem inside of the processing world. Um, the average wait time is 19 to 23 months, brother, and that's and it's only getting longer and longer now. Um, it slowed down our production on our beef program, uh, cut in half, you know, uh, from anywhere we could process, you know, 10, 10 head at a time, that only took me down to doing two at a time. You know, so that's a tremendous cut uh for your your beef program um so to increase that we had to aim at a way to start doing it ourselves um and then that's when we uh you know found a facility and um um aimed at it and hit hit the mark on it brother um so it's called briarwood custom meats um it's 2128 fairmont um North Carolina, 2128 Marion Stage, just in Fairmont, North Carolina. Um, Lois will our doors will be open, you know, February, March time frame, depending on items coming in. And I'll uh, be a USDA facility um, for everyone, for all of our farmers, brother here, uh, to put food back into the community. Farmers markets, CSAs, you know, not just Broward Cattle Farm, everybody. So when you look at that, you're not only providing yourself an opportunity to to process yourself and sell that product to consumers, you're helping out your neighbors who also are on the same path to have that consumer-producer interaction. How many head are you anticipating being able to process on a weekly or monthly basis? Um, As of right now, you know, and that's a rough draft right now, anywhere between... 60 and 60, you know, 60 uh, beef, 60 pork, um, you know, and try to grow from there at the same time, brother. Mm-hmm. So, and that's including, you know, um, you know, the farmers, that's including what's scheduling um, and then a proper return back to the farmers. So we're trying to aim at 60 and 60, um, 60 beef, 60 pork. Mm-hmm. Well, again, good luck. I I know it's exciting, and uh, it probably feels like February is a long ways (laughs) away, but uh, there's just more work once February hits. But uh, no, that is is exciting. And when we look at all these opportunities and um, being an advocate and a producer, could you maybe just touch upon maybe some of the local and statewide work you do and promoting not only your business, but the beef business as a whole in North Carolina and also on the national level, maybe? Absolutely. Um, Of course, the North Carolina Cattlemen's Association. um, uh, I'm a huge fan of them, great supporter 
uh, with our community here. Same thing with our pork side of it, with the pork uh, pork industry uh, being BQA, uh, PQA certified. Uh, another great organization is that we are uh, would love to talk about is the North Carolina Veterans Business Association. Um, uh, Annette Stevenson, um, she is someone that helps us to get out there in front of the market. Being a veteran, we don't know who to talk to. Uh, some of these procurement summits that are coming out, um, there's outfits to help us with the industry on agriculture, beef and pork, but we need to find the right people to you know, connect with. And, and industries like that is people who are, we definitely you know, uh, support the most. Uh, last but not least, not to forget, uh, the Wounded Warrior Program here in, in North Carolina. Um, huge fan of the Wounded Warrior Pro Program. Uh, being a Wounded Warrior myself, um, we offer projects to, for our veterans to come out. Um, we have one coming up soon where we're just going to camp out in the backyard and just talk, you know, fire up some steaks on the grill and do that portion we were talking about earlier and just have some good conversations, brother, and mm -hmm. just let our hair down, you know, um, churches, supporting our churches in the community, um, whatever it takes, brother, but that's as a whole, North Carolina State University, North Carolina A&T Agriculture Team, Tuskegee University, those are the support channels that I use. And with all of them and the study that those kids are doing inside of the beef programs, it was phenomenal. As a matter of fact, Lane, inside of the plant we're building, we're building a classroom inside of the facility for our animal science mm -hmm. kids to come to, um, i.e., uh, whichever college, uh, North Carolina A&T or NC State um, kids, animal science can come to as well. There's a problem that uh, uh, within that the kids' products they're getting off of our off of our side program, you know, they're getting. I'm I'm you know keep it clean here. Um, the bull semen track um, is something that when they get it is dried out. And it's hard for them to study the tissue and the material of how it all works for our farmers and our AI programs. Mm -hmm. um, now they get a chance to uh, right off the, the kill floor where they can grab the PAA item right then and there, um, study it, and then that helps us to increase our program for all of our uh, men and women that's trying to uh, increase our AI program for our siren of our, of our livestock, um, not only for us, but across the world, you know, so we wanted to have something different than what's out there and offered today. Well, I, I'm glad you bring that up because when we, we talk about processing, we always talk about those key cuts, uh, beef and or, or hamburger, uh, and mm -hmm. uh, also the offal that uh, you have to sell, the hide, everything else that, that uh, most U.S. consumers don't want to eat. But you don't think about the animal science aspect of that. So that is actually so innovative that you would have that opportunity for students to come in and actually have that uh, anatomy uh, lesson live there as well. So hats off to you guys for, for uh, uh, thinking about that in the educational Thank setting you, as well. And Thank you, brother. Coming back to all the, the different uh, uh, leftovers from a beef carcass, 
what uh, in the past, what have you done to, to make sure and sell that excess hamburger or the hides? Or what, what has your strategy been and, and what will your strategy be once the plant opens in, in uh, come February for those uh, for the for the cuts that uh, that that some consumers uh, don't necessarily know they probably would enjoy if they if they knew how to cook liver or, or eat it. What 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 is your plan there? Uh, you, you just said it, brother. Um, food is national security for us here, um, for for anyone. But we definitely specialize food as being a national security. Um, meaning, if you could feed someone, brother, you could turn around and have a good conversation with them, and it lowers the stress. Um, what, and leading into that, um, we involve ourselves with um, different personnel from different cultures that could cook beef and pork via poachers. Um, you know, the ham doesn't taste like the bacon. The bacon doesn't taste like the shoulder, um, and so forth and so on. But if you could learn to take those pieces and and cook it the way that the culture does, now you're creating um, a, a conversation to see why they use it or, or, or find that piece that's not appealing to you, but it's a, a high-end piece into another culture. Um, so, but if we can open up that conversation piece to share with people to see what they do um, by cooking it, let people see how you cook it, you know, um, and take it from there, it's something that they're worth trying. And you bring that up. Uh, I, I mentioned to you before a conversation, our family ranch is up on the Fort Belknap Indian Reservation. And my dad always talks about uh, his great grandma, uh, remembers of the Grovanta tribe up there, would always cook tripe. And if, mm-hmm. if you mention tripe to people, they, they might uh, wrinkle their nose or this and that. And it's just like, but but that is a part of a, a heritage of our family. And mm-hmm. it's cultural, too, because, yeah, it probably wasn't the higher cuts. And that's what people on the reservation were probably shipped as a protein source. So when you look at probably the government sent it there. But... You know, that is a part of our culture. Also, chitlins, everything like that. How important mm-hmm. is it for folks to get outside of their comfort zones and uh, and enjoy food that they've never had before that are that are part of, of beefs and hogs? You know, great question. Um, getting to learn ethnicity, um, getting to learn to know why people act the way they do, getting to learn why they eat that, um, it would kill the curiosity or the lack of fear that people have uh, for just picking at someone by not being educated by why do you eat tripe? You know what I mean? Um, isn't that the most gross thing? No, it's actually not. It. But if you could have a conversation to know the why, now you have someone that's interested in tasting tripe now mm-hmm. um, um, and letting them see, you know, exclude them from the process of how it starts, but include them on a cooking method with the great seasonings. Um, I think from there you got a good conversation starter of learning the why uh, our families did that or why our families eat that today. Mm -hmm. Um, If you look at it, your off-balls are some of the biggest items that are imported, excuse me, exported um, out of the United States is our off-balls. We don't eat them inside of the United States that much, but other countries, wow, (laughs) they love it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They love it, brother. Yep. 
Now, it, let, let's get to the uh, also uh, a matter when it comes to, to being a veteran in agriculture and maybe some of the opportunities that uh, um, USDA programs have provided you, but also maybe the opportunities and struggles you faced as a, a farmer of color as well. Uh, what what mm-hmm. what what has that experience been like? Uh, and again, we can have the naked conversation, the good, the bad, yeah. and uh, yeah, and look absolutely. at and and look at uh, your experience as a first generation farmer. Uh, great question. Uh, which one would you like to start with first? Um, that was three good topics. <laughs> three good topics. Uh, let, let's just start at uh, veteran programs and, and resources, and and then we'll talk about being a person of color in agriculture. Absolutely. Um, uh, the Farmers Veteran Coalition, um, I think, is one of the most top-notch uh, companies that are out there now for the best resources of in agriculture, period. Um, they're advocators that are going around the world getting the information um, for the veteran community because we're used to something that we can Google. Most of us now are just YouTube farmers because of we can't find that person to mentor we got to go back to that mentoring stage Mm -hmm. um, to find someone that could teach us to us but the resources are there but the availability of it you know going to a website is not informative you know or it doesn't talk about the topic in general well the farmers veteran coalition found those faults in that and they got more in detail with that program and and that's how they enlighten it up so Hats off to the Farmers Veteran Coalition, brother, for doing that. Well, again, a great resource, um, as you mentioned. And uh, the other part of my question, Marvin, uh, being a person of color in agriculture, um, we don't mm-hmm. see a lot of diversity in agriculture. Let, let's just cut to the to the fact on that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm from Montana. There, there, there's not much diversity up here unless uh, you're you're a Native American producer. Uh, what, mm-hmm. what, what are some of the opportunities, but also some of the struggles that you have seen that uh, you would like to share to help out other producers? Absolutely. Great question. Um, the opportunities are, are endless. Um, I personally, um, Marvin, have not ran into any of those struggles yet, yet. Um, nor am I looking for any of them at the same time. Um, I think if you learn the language, um, uh, you can find the resources of what you're looking for. Uh, that's also dealing with diversity as well. Um, most people just don't know how to interact with each other because they're so used to their own culture. Mm-hmm. Um, to learn someone else's culture, you got to step outside of your comfort zone and learn these ethnicities, uh, classes, or learn something about someone, get to know someone. That would break that barrier and it 90% of it is fear, brother. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just simply fear. Um, there's more African-American or people of color producers out there than you can ever imagine. Um, there's plenty of them. I mean, uh, uh, John Jackson, another good friend of mine, um, he's out of Georgia, great producer. Um, John Board is another great, great producer. Um, these are people that you know already that are out there, but Brother, there's tons of people in any profession, and it doesn't have anything to do with color. It's the people that's in in the program feel that someone doesn't belong there because um, whatever their background is, um, we got to break those barriers and move forward. 
you know, we just got to break them. All of us are feeding, uh, continue to serve our great country by feeding America, and we should not have any boundaries right there when we're after the same goal to feed feed our communities. Marvin, could you give a shout out to the book that your family is also uh, included in uh, talking about people of color in agriculture? Um, there's a book that just came out called We Are Each Other's Harvest uh, by Natalie Brazil, and we're in that book. It's the latest book for uh, the African-American farmers that are out today, um, the new generation. Um, and that's where you can find those guys. That's called We Are Each Other's Harvest. Um, by Natalie Brazil, uh, and we're in that book, and that book is getting ready to get turned into a TV series. Well, again, thank you for that uh, shout-out. We are each other's harvests. Uh, Marvin and his family are highlighted in that book, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing that also coming out on our streaming platforms as well. Thanks for giving that a, a, a mention as well. Now, Marvin, as we look at sharing our story as a coalition of farmers and ranchers. What is your tip for people? Obviously, uh, we talked about VHS and MP3, MP4. I think that is a great analogy. Mm-hmm. But what is one of the key things that you believe that uh, cattlemen and women across the nation can do to share their story in a positive manner that is reflective of the U.S. beef industry? mirror up with someone totally different you know i wish i could mirror up with someone out in montana and i can understand their point of view and they can understand my point of view or understand my struggles and i can understand your struggles and believe it or not in the middle i guarantee we can help each other out i guarantee it um i wish there's a way just like uh being on a job as a supervisor um there's a method they used to do where the supervisor would become you know, the lowest employee for the day and the lowest employee become the supervisor for the day. Um, And that way they got a chance to understand each other's position and what they're doing. I think if we interact with each other inside of the business world, that'd break that barrier of such a silence wall that people don't want to talk about it. Um, But it's there, but those are barriers that people need to break those barriers because we need each other, you know. We need each other across this world to feed each other, to, you know, to go to the sale barns and not hear anything negative. But that's on both sides, though, brother. It's not just a one-side thing. Um, someone from Montana can come here, and and someone could be just as negative and look just like them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? All because someone speaks different. Yep. You know, I just think we just need to get to know each other a lot better and 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 grow up. That's the bottom line. Just need to grow up. Yep. And when you're out interacting with a producer or making that mm-hmm. uh, drop off of beef at their home, uh, mm-hmm. if they asked you, what does it mean to be in the cattle ranching or farming business? Uh, what does it mean to you? Wh- what do you share with them? Uh, I hope they have a few minutes. But <laughs> long story short, um, um, what it means to me is giving someone the best quality of beef that we can give them, uh, clean, uh, no antibiotics, you know, no GMOs. And that's hard to do. Um, but it's hard to get that product to them in a good particular way on a grass fed beef. Um, people love it. Um, and they respect it, um, at the same time, but 
a lot of people just don't understand. They're always thinking that the farmer is the dirtiest person out there, the most unsanitary person that's out there. But little as they know, we have programs that we have to go by. You just caught us while we were working on a tractor, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> or just getting off the horses, you know, checking our fence lines or whatever. Yep. But yeah, get to know what we do. You know, let's let's get out of you get out of your office and come see what we do here. But Marvin, I I can't wait to meet you in person someday, and you, uh, I'd love to come down to your operation or or see you at one of the cattle industry conventions and get to meet you and your wife and, and your family. Um, I I wish we could have this conversation for the next three or four hours. We we might have to have you come back on later. Maybe we'll have to do a show from your 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 farm there down the road. We'll we'll have to pitch that to the the communications team that bosses me around. But um, we would love that, brother. I, I, Let's do it at the plant to see growth. Yeah, that would to be great. To see that, that production and see how we're trying to have that select and choice product and yep. how we're you know rating that. Let's see how the changes come. Let's see how we're feeding America, yep. you know, feeding our community, you know. Well, let's do it, brother. Let's do it at the plant. <laughs> I, I would love to. We will. I will make sure we we'll, we'll make something happen. But Marvin, uh, uh, to you. To all of our veterans, to all that are currently serving our nation, I just want to take my hat off to you all and thank you for taking that uh, uh, chance to, to serve our nation, uh, to, uh, to be wounded. And I think that's what people forget so much. Uh, we have so many problems. Uh, we have the politics of this world and whatnot, and, and we forget about what people like yourselves have sacrificed in those who have made the ultimate sacrifice to make sure that we live in the United States of America, that we have the best food supply and that we have food on our tables and helping those that can't afford to put food on their tables as well. But to, to you, to all the veterans, as uh, we look at celebrating Veterans Day this, this year, thank you so much. Thank you, brother. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for this time to spend time um, on this great podcast and, um, Thank you from the bottom of my heart, brother. Thank well, you. Thank you. Thank you. And for our listeners, Marvin, where can they learn more about you and your family and your operation? Thank you, brother. On social media is um, Marvin Frink, F-R-I-N-K. Um, they can follow us there or Briarwood Cattle Farm on any platform. Um, uh, that's uh, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Um anything that can help us to promote there. Um, and our website is briarwoodcattlefarm.com. Well, again, Marvin Frank, thank you so much for joining us, for telling your story uh, and the success you have seen as a first-generation farmer, rancher, and also uh, uh, touching upon the service uh, in the Army. Uh, again, I, I, I truly thank you for taking the time here today. Folks, check out their website uh, and on their social media pages. Make sure and give them a follow as well. Marvin, anything else you'd like to share with us before I let you get back to your day out on the East Coast of North Carolina? Uh, that's it, brother. Just so very thankful for the time. And I'd just like to wish everyone, all of our cattle farmers um, that's at the conventions and out on the farm right now, you know, hey, brothers and sisters, y'all have a good day. And um, just know we all love you. Again, Marvin Frank with Briarwood Cattle Farm and soon-to-be Briarwood Custom Meats out of Fairmont, North Carolina. Thank you for joining us, Marvin. Thank you, brother. And friends, that will do it for today's Cattleman's Call Conversation. I'm Lane Northland. We'll catch you next time. 
Thanks for tuning in to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with Lane Nordland. For more information, visit ncba.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast today.